The Action Network Podcast, named Best Betting Podcast or Radio Show by the Fantasy Sports and Gaming Association, and the number one show for the invested sports fan. Ready? Ready. All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another NFL Fantasy Flex episode of the award-winning Action Network podcast presented by BetMGM, the official odds provider of the show. I'm Matthew Freeman, the editor-in-chief of Fantasy Labs, and here with me are Sean Corner and Chris Raybon. Sean is the Action Network director of predictive analytics. Chris is a senior editor and analyst at the Action Network, and they are two of the best fantasy football rankers in the world. In this episode, we're highlighting the players at the top of our week nine rankings and our fantasy tool at the Action Network. We are discussing the guys we're high and low on and looking at how they do in our fantasy labs models. And we're speculating on some player props. And joining us is longtime friend of the show, John Daigle, a fantasy analyst at Roto World and NBC Sports. Daigle, how's it going? This is the closest I'll ever get to an in ring return, like a Royal Rumble entrance 10 years down the road. So just happy to be here. Happy to join all three of you finally. All right, Dale, it's great to have you back on the show. Uh, before we get into it, I want to remind everyone that you can participate in the best DFS contest ever. I am talking, of course, about the Action Network Podcast Tournament of Champion presented by BetMGM. It's a free custom tournament on Yahoo for our listeners. You can join by clicking the link in the show description. Each week, the top 10 finishers get over $1,000 in Action Network prizes, and the top five finishers punch their ticket to the wildcard weekend grand finale where they compete for the grand prize, a Las Vegas trip for two, valued at $5,000 courtesy of BetMGM. Again, listeners can join for free every week. Click on the link in the episode description to join. Daigle, let's jump into the week nine rankings and and by the way i should say we are recording this tuesday afternoon early in the afternoon so uh one you know a lot of news is breaking Uh, and then also it's a it's election day so you know people are kind of distracted that's where we are the guys at the top of our early week rankings russell wilson patrick mahomes kyler murray daigle as we stand right now are those the three guys you feel comfortable with at the top or do you think there's someone else who should be in the top three the numbers say Deshaun Watson at number three. My heart says Josh Allen at number three. And what is finally a terrific matchup again, although he has performed poorly the past three games in a row now, really. Uh, but yeah, I think Josh Allen is in a great spot in what is com- considered the highest total of the week. Clearly, since both the Seahawks defense, as we know, permits the most fantasy points for a game to opposing quarterbacks. And Sean McDermott's defense continues being overvalued this year. So just a great spot for both offenses in that game. All right. So outside of uh, Josh Allen and Deshaun Watson, and I should say I'm, I'm with you on Deshaun Watson. Are there any other guys that you are relatively high on this week, you know, in comparison to what you think will probably be a consensus ranking? I don't think there's any reason to get off Justin Herbert now, especially since the Chargers have come back since their bye two games now and have passed 
at the fifth highest rate on early downs in the first half, which we use that number because it shows intent, right? If we drag it out to the fourth quarter, perhaps game script gets a little wonky. But in the first half, it shows what they want to do. And what they want to do now is lean on Justin Herbert as opposed to running directly into their offensive line on first and second down. Not only that, but 43 attempts now in those two games. So what is a sneaky, maybe not even sneaky, but I think it's going to be one of the best shootouts, prolific shootouts, especially since the Raiders are coming off that game that we should just throw out the window since the wind clearly affected everything in that environment. Uh, I love Justin Herbert and the Chargers offense. All right, Sean, I'm kicking it to you. And and by the way, Sean, four years ago, before you were even uh, an employee at Action Network, uh, it just, it turned out it was just luck that you were on the podcast that we recorded on Tuesday election day 2016 so this this feels very momentous as if we've we've come full circle we've come a long way since then sean who are you relatively high on at the quarterback position this week let me agree with uh john's sentiments on deshaun watson he's sort of underlooked because he is sort of in this elite tier of quarterbacks um he's coming off the bye so i think people might be overlooking him in dfs he could be uh under own there but he's been on fire since the bill o'brien firing throwing for over 300 yards, two or more touchdowns, and 25 or more rushing yards in all three games. So I think he'll keep it going here against Jacksonville. He has a ton of potential stacking partners. Um, They'll be getting Jordan Aikens back this week. So he has a ton of uh, upside this week. And the the other guy I want to mention is Derek Carr. Um, He's my QB streamer this week. Uh, It's pretty slim pickings. We, We don't have guys like Jimmy G, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Gardner Minshew, Joe Burrow, Baker Mayfield, Jared Goff, Carson Wentz. So the, the whole streaming tier has been gutted this week. So we're left with Derek Carr. Uh, but, you know, I'm willing to overlook his poor week eight. Uh, you know, they were dealing with extreme win last week. So I'm willing to overlook that a bit. The, uh, you know, the, the Raiders-Chargers game could be a sneaky shootout. The total's around 55 right now, I believe, on BetMGM. Um, and, you know, Henry Ruggs ran around on 90% of dropbacks. Obviously, you couldn't throw it to him in that win, but that's good news for uh, Carr's ceiling, I think. I think, you know, they're going to have a breakout game really soon. And the other thing I want to point out is just Derek Carr has been more willing to pull it down and run this year. I think he has three games now of over uh, 19 rushing yards. So that's kind of a, a new thing with Derek Carr. So I think his his ceiling has been raised uh, this year, and I, I like him this week uh, in both DFS and season long. I also think it kind of helps Deshaun Watson that this rumor Duke Johnson could be used over the team's last eight games mm-hmm. more than David Johnson, as they clearly need to evaluate what they need to do with David Johnson's contract, only taking on $2.1 million in dead cap space if they cut him in the offseason. And getting passes to Duke Johnson would clearly be much more efficient than what they've been doing getting them to David Johnson. Rayvon, what about you? Who, uh, who are you high on at the quarterback position? Well, first of all, Russell Wilson is the third price quarterback on DraftKings. I think he should be the first. So, uh, you know, obviously Russ. But, yeah, I like Justin Herbert as well. Um, if you look at what he's doing with the, with these Chargers, I mean, he's he's looking like he could even be better than Joe Burrow. And every single uh, start he's made, he's had, uh, except when he's had over 20 DraftKings points. And the, the only one he didn't, he had 19.7. Uh, he's had – 20 or more rushing yards in two of the last three starts. He's had, he's had over, he's had 14 or more in all but one. So really, really strong play from Herbert. And he's throwing multiple touchdowns in each of his last uh, four starts as well. So um, going against the Raiders in this, in this game with a high total, uh, this Raiders defense is still 
one of the worst in the league. You know, that game in, in Cleveland last week in the wind, that was kind of an outlier game for both teams, I think, where you saw them kind of pile up the rush attempts. It was a 16-6 game for teams that have been high scoring. So uh, I think we get back to kind of a normal game script this week. And, uh, and Herbert is, is really a guy that, um, that I'm excited to own. And I'm, I'm with Daigle, with Sean on Watson. I have him ranked uh, number two overall, which uh, might be a little bit aggressive, but I, I feel like there's this tier really instead of like a top three, a, a tier of maybe four or five guys this week uh, that really separate themselves. You know, as Sean said, coming off of the bye, he's been strong ever since that opening three game stretch of the season. So uh, I think a lot of reasons to be enthusiastic about Watson, especially if they do not end up trading um, Will Fuller, which by the time this pod is released, we will know whether they have or haven't. I'm kind of assuming that ends up not happening. Daigle, who are you relatively low on at quarterback? The way this DFS season has worked is that we're all scrambling to find the leverage off some of the top plays in order to get exposure in a unique way in tournaments. And I feel like as the week creeps along, that may happen with Kirk Cousins, but I think that's getting a little too cute away from Dalvin Cook because this, it's the same thing that happened last year for the Lions. They build a 22-man unit. They don't build a 53-man organization. And they are cratering again with injuries. Uh, Trey Flowers, basically one of two players, the other being Kenny Galladay, that this team couldn't afford to lose. And yet, they just lost both for an extended period. Flowers just got put on injured reserve. So I don't think there's honestly any way the Lions will not only stop Dalvin Cook and the Vikings, but be able to carry their own weight and force Cousins to throw. So we slip back into that dream for Mike Zimmer of last week, 35 running back carries, 14 attempts for Kirk Cousins. And I, I fear that situation again here. Sean, who are you low on this week? So I was going to say I'm low on Big Ben. I have him as QB 10, but you guys have him closer to QB 15, QB 19. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts on him. But um, like I mentioned earlier, Derek Carr, the, the whole like QB 2 streaming tier has been completely gutted this week. So Big Ben, I'm normally low on Big Ben, but he's he's up to QB 10. I consider him more of a high floor play. But in DFS, you know, everyone might be tempted to play him against the Cowboys, but he's shown this year that he doesn't really need to throw for much because his defense is, you know, so elite this year. I have him, you know, projected for fewer yards this week. When it comes to DFS at 6,500, I think I'm more willing to take other guys and, 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 you know, take a swing on one of these wide receivers or the tight end, but I just can't see this offense keeping their foot on the gas uh, in the second half here. So I'll be fading Big Ben this week, but it, it looks like I'm way higher ranked than you guys. Yeah, I mean, for me right now, uh, and the the line hasn't been released yet, so we don't know for sure what the uh, what the total and the spread is going to be. But I'm assuming that this is going to be a relatively low scoring game in which the Steelers do not need to rely on Roethlisberger to produce a lot of yards and touchdowns. Uh, and so that, in general, uh, is why I'm relatively low on him. But the the guy I'm really low on uh, is Lamar Jackson, and uh, I've kind of been low on him for a while. I was low on him last week. I have him ranked number nine. Um, I think it's just a situation where he's not as dynamic as a runner this year as he was last year. Uh, and he hasn't really progressed as a passer uh, in the way that I think we were expecting him to uh, in his third season, you know, second full season as a starter, uh, second season with Marquise Brown. Uh, you would think that they have uh, Mark Andrews continuing to develop as a tight end, but things just haven't come together quite right. And so I'm just a little bit lower than consensus on Lamar Jackson. Obviously, I mean, if you have him in season long leagues, you're still starting him. He still has an incredibly high high floor and an incredibly high ceiling, but I think his median uh, is adjusted down just a little bit. So he's a guy I'm relatively low on. Raybon, who are you low on? 
Matthew Stafford sticks out on DraftKings. He's at 6,600, which is right there above Ben Roethlisberger. And uh, I know Stafford had a pretty decent week last week, but he lost Kenny Galladay. And that's really been a, a knock for him because in Daryl Bevel's offense, he's missed Galladay only those two games earlier this year. And his average depth of target goes way down. And his, that translates over to his yards per attempt. Uh, 8.35 in, in his starts since uh, Bevel started coordinating uh, last season and just 7.2 in the two games without Gaudet. That's because the average at the target drops about three yards. So uh, Matthew Stafford, definitely a guy, even though the, the matchup looks good against Minnesota on paper, uh, don't like Stafford this week. And Ryan Tannehill going against this Bears defense that's allowed the fewest fantasy points to uh, opposing quarterbacks, it's a little bit of a downgrade from him, too. You can usually count on Tannehill to get you, uh, you know, two touchdowns, 260-plus yards. But uh, in this one, I think we have to lower expectations a little bit. All right, Sean, give us the quarterback player prop of the week. And by the way, everyone should check out the Fantasy Labs player prop tool where the props with a bet quality of 10 have a 60% win rate over the past two years. When player props are posted, you can bet them at bet. MGM. And also, by the way, I am most excited about this segment. This is the, this is the segment everyone jumps on the pod for. I've never participated. I am so nice. happy. All right. I'm going to need your help with this one. And so my prop this week is uh, Big Ben passing yards. And it's not so much for Big Ben. It's just, you know, from a top a high level approach, making projections. It's more about these receivers. Um, you know, we've we've seen the past couple weeks, especially that, you know, one of Chase Claypool, Juju Smith-Schuster, Deontay Johnson usually takes the back seat. So, you know, if, if we're all projecting Big Ben for a low yardage output, that, that's not good news there. So um, right now I have his over-under at 255.5. I will go under. I will go under. A- again, this line is probably wrong, uh, my, my line, because I'm – using like Vegas numbers that don't exist yet. Uh, so it's more of a stab and then that will inform kind of the yardage total, but I have it closer to 232 and a half. Hmm. I, have, I have 249. So like not too far off. It was a pretty good line, honestly. Yeah, I'm going under, but I have it at 252. So I'm right okay. there. Um, just uh, if you guys are curious, I currently have the total set at uh, Pittsburgh minus 10 with a total of 45. So Pittsburgh and pie for 27 and a half. So um, the real issue with big Ben is early downs have been a struggle. They're still bottom, you know, eight in early down success rate uh, passing on offense. And they're not really getting the ball down the field. They're just allowing their playmakers to uh, create, which is, has worked well enough, but it's not really translating into those big numbers we were used to when he was, you know, sitting in a pocket, buying time, letting AB uh, get down the field. James Washington barely played last week. So that's mm-hmm. the, their biggest deep threat. Um, and that's going to lower his yardage naturally too, because the average of the target is going to go down. Can, can I book uh, minus 10 from you? I have it at minus 13 and a half, but I would love to get it on oh, minus 10. If... I, I, would, <laughs> wow, uh, I mean, I don't want anything to do with any Cowboys numbers, so no, you right. cannot. Right. <laughs> I had no Cowboys bets for me. <laughs> like, like the one thing Danucci supposedly could do was run away from defenders, and it turns out against league competition, not small school competition, he can't even do that. I mean, the Eagles got lucky to cover that game. They, that was, they had one blitz that worked. If, they, if not, they might, they might not even win that game. So, like, I'm, I mean, uh, like, it was just a terrible game from everybody. Two, Sean, what was your line? 255 and a half? Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think that was too high. I'll probably lower it closer to you guys. He's still, you know, I, I'm using minus 13 and a half as my spread here. So he's the third highest passing touchdown projection. I think that's where he gets his fancy value this week is you yeah. know, multiple touchdown passes, but not through the air. 
Yeah. So I have it projected close to Raymond. I think I have it at minus 10 and the total I have right now is 42, which uh, that's probably too low relative to where Raymond had. And so I think that's why I'm lower on the yardage total. Hope you're enjoying this great action network podcast. I want to make sure you know about the locked on podcast network. Locked on has a daily podcast on your favorite team. Welcome to you. Locked on 49ers. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. Welcome everybody to the locked on Lakers podcast. Let's go. Locked on podcasts are hosted by the local experts who know your team better than anyone and give you the inside scoop. So go to your podcast app and search locked on your favorite team. Subscribe to your locked on podcast. Let's get to the running backs. The guys at the top of our rankings, we have Kamara, Cook, Henry, Daigle. Anyone that you would put in the top three instead of one of those guys? Nope. Pretty simple here. Those are my top guys, and I am not getting away from them because no one else, in my opinion, really contends with those three. A very safe uh, tier of top three. Daigle, who are you relatively high on at the position this week? I like Antonio Gibson coming back from by. He basically nearly split snaps with J.D. McKissick last game, whereas Peyton Barber also got involved on 33% of the snaps. But Peyton Barber's role was hyperbolized since the team did build a big lead before the bye, uh, whereas Gibson still also handled over 20 touches. So if we can see that amount of touches still, plus we take away Barber's role and expect – not as crazy of a game script against the Giants, but something at least closer to relevancy, like 10 points, that I think it could be an even bigger day for Gibson. Chris, who are you relatively high on at the position this week? I mean, we have to look at Chase Edmonds uh, starting for Kenyon Drake in Arizona. Uh, that's That could be a situation where he gets pretty much every backfield touch because they haven't used any of their other backs outside of Drake and Edmonds, Jonathan Ward uh, and Eno Benjamin, the rookie. Uh, Ward is been active a few games but nothing as far as the the uh the touches for those guys so love Edmonds uh, against Miami and uh, Josh Jacobs I think Jacobs um at 6300 on DraftKings don't expect him to get another what was it 31 carries as he did last week even though came into the week banged up but I uh, still think he's a little too cheap I have him as my uh, RB4 on the week and he's down uh, below in, in kind of the 8 to 10 range so uh, like Jacobs and like Chase Edmonds. I was actually going to say Edmonds too, but I didn't want to do the weekly Chris and Sean segment where we take each other's players. <laughs> so I let him, I let him go Appreciate to everyone it. else. It would have been good to, to see you stomp yeah. on the ground. Actually do that. Yeah. Just do yeah. it. Yeah. Go for it. <laughs> feel, feel free. Uh, Sean, who are you on this week? So right now I have Justin Jackson as my RB 14. Um, you know, get back to me at the end of the week once I've had five more days of research and news to see if I still think this. But right now I'm projecting him to be the lead back. And, you know, a big part of that is I expect Tromaine Pope to not get 15 touches again this week. I think that was more of a sign that maybe they're losing some confidence in uh, Joshua Kelly. So it's just something I'm monitoring there. Um, and, you know, it's a great matchup against the Raiders. Like I said, I think this will be a pretty high scoring game. Uh, Jackson has been heavily used in the passing game. So I think this is a great setup for him. Um, and the other guy is DeAndre Swift. Uh, you know, last week I, he was my fade um, against Indy. Um, you know, I, I just respect that defense as one of, you know, being one of the more elite ones in the league right now. Um, and of course he had a brutal game. So I think this is the week I, I, I might want to buy back in on him. He had a season high 52% routes run per dropback share. Um, you know, he has his passing role locked down, but he's also seen, you know, the most, 
carries inside the five yard line. So I think over the next couple of weeks, we should expect him to also overtake AP in terms of, you know, um, early down work as well. So he, he could be shaping up to be more of a workhorse back in the second half. And I want to get back, back in on him before another breakout game like we saw in week six. Yeah, Sean, I'm with you there. And uh, all three of us actually have him ranked as a running back two this week. So we're all pretty much uh, in agreement there. Uh, one guy I'm high on is James Robinson. I have him number seven right now. He's still getting the super majority of the backfield work in Jacksonville, uh, even with Chris Thompson returning. Uh, I think we'll still see a lot of work for James Robinson, and he has a good matchup against the Texans. Uh, and he's also coming off of the bye. Uh, so he should be, you know, well rested. I think you'll get good ownership on him too because people will cite uh, Robinson's stats without Thompson last week, even though he's since been activated from COVID list. But Robinson was still the RB2 overall in fantasy heading into that game. So like Thompson's role really doesn't matter. Um, So yeah, you should get him very low owned. Yeah, and from a DFS perspective, I think people will maybe be a little bit lower on that offense in general just because Minshew is out and uh, Josh Luton is uh, the presumed starter for Week 9. Uh, and so there there might be even more of an ownership advantage than there normally would be. Uh, Daigle, who are you low on? Would you like to hold hands, Freeman, and talk about <laughs> Ezekiel Elliott for another week? Because DraftKings yeah. thought they were doing us a favor and bringing a salary all the way down to the mid-sixes, but it's too high for a player that has ranked RB18, RB39, and RB32 the past three games for an offense that has averaged 7.8 points per game without Dak Prescott as clearly one of the worst teams in the league. Yes, due to injury, but we have to adjust, and that's where we are now with this team. So against the best defense in the league, I do not think that price is low enough. Uh, It's egregious, honestly. Yeah, I mean, uh, he's the guy I clearly have in my outline. I've been banging this drum for like the, the past month. Uh, Zeke, I have him at number 21, and that, that still feels too high. I can't put him any lower because it would be egregious to have lower than that, like a, a guy who is getting you know locked in 14 to 20 opportunities per game. But uh, this offense is just so bad for the reasons Daigle outlined there. You know, reduced workload less efficient, fewer goal line opportunities. Like, why would anyone be excited about what we have with Ezekiel Elliott? In season-long leagues, I I feel absolutely sorry for you because you have to start him. If you have him, you still have to start him because you, you probably don't have three options that are better than him, but you're not going to get anywhere close to the production out of him that you thought you would as you entered the season. So uh, just a, a total train wreck of a situation with Zeke. Chris, who are you low on? I'm going with uh, the uh, Le'Veon Bell because you look at Le'Veon Bell and this Chiefs offense and he's splitting work with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Like he's not getting completely shut out, um, but they've had some they, – they, in their game scripts where they, they've had these big uh, big leads and have been big favorites, they've worked in like two other backs, so Daryl Williams and uh, Darwin Thompson or DeAndre Washington, whoever's been active the last two weeks, has been worked in. So – uh, if Le'Veon Bell didn't really have like his big game for KC against the Jets, uh, I doubt that he'll he's going to have like a bigger one going forward, at least in these next couple of weeks, because you have number one, you have Edwards Hilaire could kind of get more work as a starter if the game does get closer. But if not, you're just I think you're just going to see kind of what we've seen these past few weeks, where, you know, Bell's uh, workload is going to be limited because uh, they have these four backs active that they are fine giving carries to. 
All right, Sean, I'm going to venture that the guy you are going to highlight here was not Le'Veon Bell. Who are you low on? Correct. That would be correct, Freeman. Um, my, well, the, the first guy is kind of obvious, and it's Christian McCaffrey. I can't imagine many people are willing to spend 8500 on him on DraftKings this week. Um, you know, I, I think it's going to be much easier for them to kind of ease him in, just considering how well Mike Davis has played. Um, and, you know, this this matchup against the Chiefs, it could be a blowout. So, I again, I can't see them using him pretty heavily in the second half if that ends up being the case. So he's, he's a fade for me in DFS. Obviously, we're playing him in season long if he suits up. Um, and the other guy I want to highlight is Jonathan Taylor against the Ravens this week. He's $6,000 in DFS. And, you know, he's questionable this week. He suffered an ankle, ankle injury in-game, and, you know, that's – obviously a huge reason why he struggled in week eight. Um, but, you know, it, the bigger concern is Jordan Wilkins looking pretty good. And he, you know, he ran 20 times for 90 yards and a touchdown. And when I was doing my updated running back backup upside chart, the guy that stuck out the most to me is Jordan Wilkins. I feel like he's been overlooked as kind of a high upside backup. Um, so he should be owned in all leagues uh, this week, but, you know, going forward, this, this could be more of a three-way uh, timeshare and Jonathan Taylor could be more of a Sony Michelle type role where you know Naheem Hines is taking the receiving work and you know Jordan Wilkins is eating into the early down work and potentially goal line situations. It, it's just a bad situation for Taylor going forward. So I'll be fading him this week. All right, Sean, give us the running back prop. Well I'm going with Chris McCaffrey uh total rushing and receiving yards this week. Um right now I have the projection set at 75 and a half. I will actually say over strictly due to efficiency. Uh, I think he will actually not split touches, of course, but Mike Davis will definitely sprinkle in. I also kind of wonder if he'll be active this week, honestly. Uh, Matt Rule has been saying the same thing he did last week and that he's going to practice, which he did last week, and then they're just hopeful they can activate him. So I don't don't know, but either way, if if he's playing, I will take the over, hoping he comes back at full health. Yeah, so he has to play. So if he doesn't play, this this bet's a void. Good. Uh, but yeah, I feel like last week he might have been able to return, but since they played Thursday, obviously they weren't going to force it. But I would say it's highly likely he's active this week. I will take the over uh, in part because that Chiefs run defense is so bad uh, that I think with the efficiency uh, and then – with his usage in the receiving game, uh, he will be able to get there, even though I, I do think uh, Mike Davis will feature annoyingly uh, in the, the game plan. Yeah, I'll go under. Uh, I think there are a couple avenues for, for him to go under. Number one, I do think it won't be like a strict, you know, he gets like 90% of the snaps like he used to. Uh, and number two, we just talked about it. This Chiefs game, there's a, a lot of variance there with the with the game script. I mean, if they get down two touchdowns do you still use Christian McCaffrey heavily in the passing game especially when you know Davis has been solid do you kind of split it 50 50 uh you know I I just think there's a lot of different ways this could go so I'll go under all right let's get to the wide receivers the guys at the top of our rankings we have Devonta Adams Tyler Lockett Julio Jones uh, Daigle. I mean, there are, I think, a, a few other wide receivers who could conceivably in, be in the conversation uh, for the top three. Uh, what are your thoughts here? I agree, though I think DeAndre Hopkins is close, actually closer than DK Metcalf, even though I do love DK Metcalf. And then Keenan Allen like does nothing but be a top five receiver weekly, and we can't squeeze him into the top three because this is actually a strong position that really isn't seeing players fade away. 
Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, okay. So in addition to Keenan Allen there, and you mentioned DeAndre Hopkins, who are some guys that you are high on at the position? I like a lot of these chibi receivers this week in flop lag situations like John Brown coming back from injury practiced in full throughout the week. So uh, I, I would hope that John Brown is back to full health now um, in a terrific spot where I think everyone will go to Stefan Diggs, who will likely still see more targets. But as we know in this spot, um, just getting leverage off Diggs could help because Brown is still capable of two touchdowns, five big catches in this game. Um, I like Nelson Aguilar kind of for the same reason that Sean liked Henry Ruggs, like, yes, Henry Ruggs finally ran more routes, a season high rate, like Sean said, 90% on Derek Carr's dropbacks, but Aguilar's role didn't change whatsoever. Perhaps this changes if we see that Brian Edwards is trending towards being active since Aguilar took Edwards' role and has done nothing but prosper with it outside of when the wind is blowing 60 miles an hour in Cleveland. Um, So I kind of like Aguilar in a flop lag situation, and then... If everyone's going to go to Marvin Hall for the Lions, I don't know if I'll play him, but I think Quintus Cephas is the pivot there. Last week, Cephas was inactive. That's why Marvin Hall was used over him. But in the first two weeks without Galladay, remember 13 targets, a team high in air yards, in basically the same role that Galladay played as the island receiver. All right, Sean, you are in the money spot here. Who are you relatively high on at wide receiver? Well, it it took eight games and a Sammy Watkins three-week Injury, but we finally did it. We had Miko Hardman out oh, snap yes. to Marcus Robinson last week, and boy, did it pay off. Seven catches for 96 yards and a touchdown. I said we can't trust this guy until he actually outsnaps Demarcus Robinson. So with um, you know Sammy Watkins doubtful this week, I think we can safely assume that Hardman will outsnap Robinson again this week. I don't see how they wouldn't. Um, so he's a low end wide receiver three for me. Uh, obviously a very high ceiling. So you know at 4800 DFS, he's certainly in play and. GPPs, uh, although he might be a, a pretty highly owned. I mean, the other guy I want to touch touch on here is Michael Pittman. Um, so he's more of a you know wide receiver four flex, flex play here, and more of a GPP flyer. But I think in season long leagues we need to you know stash this guy. Um, he returned from the IR last week, had a very quiet one catch for six yard game, but he ran a route on fifty six percent of the dropbacks. I figured he'd be pretty limited in his return, but you know, that, that could shoot up to 80, 90% this week. Uh, T Y Helton is doubtful. So, you know, Pittman and Pascal, they shared snaps out of the slot uh, last week. So with Marlon Humphrey out, um, you know, that's makes this matchup a little bit less imposing. So, you know, he's worth a a flyer in GPPs this week. I think Uh, just don't sleep. Raybon's been banging this drum all year. Don't sleep on rookies. Uh, Michael Pittman could be one of those guys that breaks out over the next couple weeks. All right, so Sean, there was a decent amount of cherry swiveling for Pittman, but uh, the, the swiveling was off the hook he, for he Michael Hardman. A, for Hardman, it was it was unreal. Both guys are chair swiveling upside plays this week. Okay, it was not safe for work chair swiveling going on during Michael Hardman. Uh, Raybon, who are you relatively high on? Uh, I like Jerry Judy this week. You know, speaking of rookies, he's down at forty seven hundred. Uh, he's uh, running a route on pretty much all of the dropbacks nowadays for, for Denver. Tim Patrick is questionable, but um, Judy's been playing a lot in the slot, about 60, 40 slots. So he just kind of moves inside. He can get matchups uh, in an, a game against Atlanta. This is uh, I believe by far Denver's highest total game uh, of the year. So uh, this could be a, a game where we start to see, where we see some, some, uh, you know, really them throw it around the yard and Drew Lock struggled under pressure a lot, but Atlanta's not going to get too much pressure. So uh, I really like uh, Jerry Judy 
And then the Houston receivers, uh, Brandon Cooks at 5,500 and Will Fuller at 6,800. I think Cooks is actually like a great value because they've been running about the same amount of routes. Um, Cooks has been uh, a lot more involved since Romeo Cornell took over. Um, He's been a little bit inconsistent, but uh, I think this is a huge blow up spot for him against Jacksonville coming off a bye. And we still don't know what's happening with Fuller. I mean, there's been rumors and um, maybe, you know, if anything, Cooks could be like more like the number one receiver this week. So uh, like Cooks down there at 5,500. Yeah, and Raymond, to your point, uh, I mean, Cooks has out-targeted Will Fuller for the season. So it's not as if it's a, a stretch to say that Cooks has the potential in any given game really to be the number one option. Um, a guy I am pretty high on this week. I have Julio ranked number one. Uh, and some of the assumptions going into that ranking, I'm assuming that Calvin Ridley is going to be out. Uh, and I'm also assuming that uh, A.J. Boye, uh, who has a concussion, is going to be out. Uh, so you have uh, Julio without Ridley uh, going against a team uh, with a high total uh, and lacking its uh, number one cornerback. So I think a good overall situation for him. And, you know, we've seen what Julio has been able to do this season when healthy. Uh, He, you know, pretty much looks like the same dominant guy he's been for the past half decade. Another guy I'm pretty high on is Terry McLaurin, who has a 30% target share on the season. Uh, A tougher matchup against James Bradbury, but uh, I think a matchup that can still be beaten. Uh, and we saw even, I think, less than a month ago when these two uh, two teams matched up that uh, at times McLaurin was able to escape Bradbury's coverage. And I think, you know, on 12, 13 targets, uh, he still had around 70, 80 yards. Uh, so, you know, potential for more uh, from there. So I'm I'm very in on Terry McLaurin this week. McLaurin is coming off the bye fresh off a 52% target share game too. <laughs> I know, it's so, it's so disgusting. Insane. Yeah. Uh, okay. Daigle, who are you low on? Uh, the receiver I am low on as my notes got lost here would be, Oh, okay. I'm not chasing Tyreek Hill this week. So let's just burn it to the ground and lose this one already. Uh, because Tyreek Hill 300 yard games and his last 23 appearances has become more of a floor player and what in a total that is increasing, I think for good reason, I just don't think we can depend on Tyreek Hill to do this yet again, whenever we've seen that he won't right. And now two seasons of uh, historical records. So I, I like McCall Hardman, like Sean said, um, I like Travis Kelsey, of course, but overall, I think I will be fading Tyreek Hill and Mahomes double stacks. Screw me. You know, Hill is, I, I'm, I'm with you, honestly. I'm uh, relative to, to Sean and Chris here. Uh, I'm lower on Hill in the rankings. I still have him as a wide receiver one, but low end wide receiver one. Mm-hmm. And it's just because he's not getting the targets uh, that he has gotten in, in previous seasons. Uh, so, you know, you, you have him, you start him in season long leagues, but uh, in DFS, it's, it's a little bit different. Sean, who are you low on? Well, I can't believe it took till the wide receiver position for Raybon to steal some of my thunder, but I, I'm right there with him with the uh, Brandon Cooks call. That's why I'm a little bit lower on Will Fuller. Um, obviously, this is DFS only. Will Fuller is a must start in season long leagues, but at 6,800, I think he's a decent fade. You know, he scored, he's been on fire with a touchdown in five straight games. We're kind of used to that with Fuller, just, you know, going on scoring streaks like this. But, you know, he could cool off this week. The, the Texans are seven-point favorites on the road. This is a game they might not be able or might not need to throw much. Um, and they just have so many weapons there. I mean, Brandon Cooks and Randall Cobb went off the game before the bye. Both had seven catches. You know, I think those are two players that might have taken 
you know, a few weeks to gel with the new quarterback, the new system. So having the bye week could help those guys a bit. Um, and that's partly why I like Cooks this week. Um, they get Jordan Aikens back. So there's a lot of mouths to feed. I just think Fuller's, you know, he's a wide range of outcome guy. So I, I'm just willing to fade him this week. Um, and the other guy I want to talk about is just urging caution when it comes to Marvin Hall. Um, you know, he went bananas for four catches and 113 yards after Galladay went down. Um, but he's not really the natural replacement for Galladay. That's Quintez Cephas. John mentioned him earlier. He was inactive for the game. So, you know, he'll be active this week, and I think he'll fill the Galladay role a bit more. Marvin Hull is more of just the deep threat. You know, his average depth of the target is 22 and a half yards. So he's an extreme, you know, high ceiling, low floor player. So be careful with him when it comes to season long leagues. He's more like Khalif Raymond. Like whenever yeah. Corey Davis or A.J. Brown miss time, Khalif Raymond yeah. doesn't become A.J. Brown or Corey Davis. He just stays Khalif Raymond. Um, that's right. pretty much what Marvin Hall is. Very good player, but yes. we know his role. Yeah, exactly. Raymond, who are you low on at wide receiver? I mean, I feel like you've been a broken record on Zeke these last few weeks at running back Friedman, so, and I've been a broken record on the Dallas receivers. Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup. We want nothing nothing to do with any of these guys. Um, like, in season long, I think Cooper is probably the only startable one. He had a bad game last week, but uh, that was against Philly, who number one in fewest schedule-adjusted yards per game allowed to number one receivers with, with Slay. Uh, I think Cooper will still see enough uh, of a target share to be startable, but those other two guys, like CeeDee Lamb's routes run per dropback have actually started decreasing a bit into the 60s. Um, they were in the 70s and 80s earlier in the year. Michael Gallup's still playing on running around about 90% of the routes, but uh, he's kind of a, you know, vertical perimeter guy who uh, very inconsistent from week to week. So I'm not kind of banking on a repeat with him. And, uh, and, and I kind of echo what Sean's saying and both uh, Daigle too on, on Marvin Hall. I, you just can't trust that he's going to be the one for one replacement uh, for Gaude. Um, but it, I actually don't think Cephas is all like, he's probably a fade too, even though I love rookies. Yeah. Cephas struggled a lot um, in, in, in his limited action. He was, he didn't really um, show them anything. And I think that's why he started to be inactive, even though, you know, he saw, I think he had a game with 10 targets earlier in the year. So um, they brought in Mohamed Sanu for a workout, which just tells me that things are dire in, in Detroit and they're not feeling too confident about either of those guys. So uh, I, I don't think we can confidently project like one or the other for like a starting role. I think it's more like they may, we probably have to be conservative and split, split the, uh, the routes if they don't sign anybody. So um, both Detroit receive replacement receivers uh, for Gaudi, I'm down on as well. The way I typically handle those cheap receivers in DFS is I just let ownership tell me what to do on Sunday morning. Like last week I got on to Demarcus Robinson. Once I saw that everyone was trying to play a Jets receiver, it's like, okay, I'll just go to the next cheap guy that no one's going to play. And um, as, as Sean said, Nicole was used over him. So I still backdoored the production from Robinson, thankfully with Mahomes. But yeah, it's like, we don't need to freak out about these guys. These are just options. Um, if, the, if the rest of the pool doesn't present itself for, for like other confident plays. Guys, we're coming out strong against Marvin Hall and uh, Quintez Cephas. This is why people listen to this show. Sean, give us the wide receiver player prof. All right, you have to know where I'm going with this, right? We're, we're going with Antonio Brown. Um, so, I mean, this is almost impossible to project, but I'm assuming that Chris Godwin is, in, Chris Godwin is out again this week with this projection. Um, but I'm going with uh, 37 and a half receiving yards. God. Over. 
Well, okay. Yeah, I'm I, I'm taking the over. Go ahead, and I, have, and I have Gaudi. I so I actually have um Gaudi. Excuse me. I have Godwin playing um right now. So I have Brown is like the third receiver still. Um, and I still have him uh in the mid 40s. Now this game against New Orleans, uh, I think is it, you know it could be a pretty high scoring game, and it could be a game where you know Tampa Bay's defense has been really good, but. Uh, New Orleans is a team, even though they're kind of banged up, I think they could still put stress on this Tampa defense. Remember, they did put up 34 points. So uh, Brown, when he's on the field, he's productive, man. So uh, I'm not going to be I'm not going to be left out in the cold on on Brown's ranking. I think Brady's going to Brady's been clamoring for this guy in two different spots for like two years now. Uh, He's going to target him if he's active, even if. Brown is not used. The most disgusting moment will still be how many times the broadcasters talk about Brady and Breeze trumping one another in the touchdown career records. I'm already sick of it, and we haven't even started the game just yet. Um, Having said that, for Brown, I'll be the donkey. I'll go under. I do actually kind of believe Bruce Arians, to be honest, that he signed Brown as a backup option only to be used like in case of emergency. We'll see if that's true. Uh, I think Scotty Miller will run, more route, will run more routes, at least in this game. Again, the donkey move as Raybon shakes his head over there. I totally get it. Dagle, uh, like, like they, they, they use Jaden Mickens on yeah. Monday. Like, they like, used a lot of Jaden Mickens because <laughs> I have Tyler Johnson, so I know. <laughs> right, don't worry. Right. Like, like, they, like, this is where they are. Like, they, they could definitely use this, dude. I mean, Gronk is like, like blocking defensive ends all by himself. He can barely run routes. Like they need somebody. Yeah, I'll, it, I'll, I'll differentiate and be the under. But I talk, yes, you are right. This is going to burn. This is going to sink quickly. Yeah. You know who else was in disbelief about Jaden Mickens uh, usage last night it was Tom Brady. He did not look happy at all yeah. ever targeting Mickens. So I, I, I agree. I think Brady is waiting for Antonio Brown. So uh, maybe I'm a little bit low here. Yeah, I'm I'm on the over pretty handily. Uh, not that you can read too much into one game, but uh, in the 2019 one game sample we have of Antonio Brown yeah. with Tom Brady, there was a 29% target share that that Brown had. And did did he know, only run yeah. like eight routes in that game too, or something? Yeah, he didn't play yeah. many snaps, but when he was out there, Brady was targeting yeah. him. So you know, it could be a situation where uh, Antonio Brown is sort of a quote-unquote specialist who doesn't see really all that many snaps, but when he's out there, a hundred percent of those snaps are routes, and he's getting targeted on a super high majority of his routes. So uh, that's that's the way I'm envisioning this going. Although, let's be honest, figuring out the the market share, how to divide all of these targets for Tampa Bay, like right now, it's like a, a mathematical jigsaw puzzle uh, because it, it's still even without Antonio Brown it still is kind of hard to figure out what's going on because you have Godwin coming in of, of the lineup going out of the lineup uh, you know Mike Evans not getting the target share that you think he probably should be getting Gronk's target share is escalating seemingly by the week uh, and then with all these uh, tertiary wide receivers coming in and out you know, like what portion of the targets do you assign to Tyler Johnson? I mean, Jaden Makins, I can't believe we're talking about him. Uh, Justin Watson as a guy who at the beginning of the season looked like a potential, uh, you know, like contributor. Now he's not getting anything. Like, what do we do with and, the yeah, targets? And, 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 dump off, yeah. and dump offs to running backs last night. Yeah, yeah it's, it's tough. Their, their offense has just looked outright better when Chris Godwin has been on the field. It, it runs so much smoother, him running over the middle of the field, as opposed to, like we saw last night, Jaden Mickey stopping in the middle of routes. Um, Gronk has looked good as well. I think Mike Evans in season long is still the guy you're sailing high on because he can only wear and buy so much touchdown deodorant before it just runs out at Amazon. 
Uh, exactly. So anyway, that's, that's where we are. Antonio Brown, that's a good prop. Uh, I'm, I'm glad you, you put that line out there. Uh, and really the, the range of outcomes is so wide that you could have said almost any line. Uh, and I would have yeah. believed it. <laughs> yeah. I have updated it 10 yards since we, uh, started talking about it. All right. Let's, uh, let's get to the, the tight ends, the guys at the top of our rankings, uh, with Kittle out. Uh, unfortunately we have Kelsey Waller and Andrews as our top three, uh, I think you can make an argument for several guys uh, going in that number three spot, but uh, Daigle, where are you on the top three? I have it the same. Kelsey as the superior tight end one every single week he plays, Waller and then Andrews, but I would be listening if someone wants to pitch Hawkinson without Galladay over Mark Andrews. Okay, well, um, that's interesting. I'm teasing for later. I'm not going to pitch Hawkinson. I will, I will pitch someone else though, as the, the number three overall tight end. Uh, But Daigle, who are you high on at the position? I am higher on, I'm, I'm, I keep diving deep here for tournament plays here, but I am higher on Logan Thomas because he has a quarterback that is at least accurate. Now Uh, seven of his eight targets with Kyle Allen, the past two games have been deemed catchable at pro football focus. Whereas through the first month of the season, he was still running. He was getting elite usage and running over 90% of routes on Haskins dropbacks. The issue is his targets, only 16 of 24, were charted as catchable. So at least now he's still running 75% of routes. It's a little bit of a decrease as he's been held in to block more. But I also think that's because of what game scripts has, ha- has shown them to Washington the past two games. So with similar loose usage I expect in this game and just a more accurate quarterback, I like going back to Logan Thomas finally. Logan Thomas, love it. Uh, he, he certainly has come on uh, since we saw Kyle Allen uh, ascend to the number one quarterback spot in Carolina. Rayvon, I'm kicking it to you for the money spot. Make, make it count. Steal the player Sean wants. Please don't, please don't. Who are you high on at the tight end position? I don't know if this is going to be the guy Sean's going to go with. Um, it seems pretty chalky, but I love Noah, Noah Fant this week. Yes. You know, he was back up to 75% uh, routes run per drop back. And you're going against this Atlanta Falcon defense, number 30 in DVOA to tight ends, uh, according to Football Outsiders, and giving up the second most scheduled adjusted yards per game, 67.3. So uh, Okuwe Bunam is still there playing behind Fant, but Fant was right back up to his normal usage. And uh, excluding the game where Fant uh, got hurt and the game where Fant came back, uh, his his routes run per dropback have been 71, 85, 83, 75. So there's a chance that he could get up into that 80% uh, range with this being with a game that uh, Denver has to score some points. So um, this could be uh, a monster week for no offense. Raybon, 100% with you. That's the guy I have ranked number three for all of the reasons that you outlined. And I'm also uh, right now tentatively projecting that Tim Patrick, the top perimeter receiver right now, for, uh, for the Broncos, projecting that he, again, misses this game. Uh, and so if he if he comes back, I'll end up adjusting the rankings, uh, you know, move Fant down a little bit. But uh, if Patrick is out, I think we, once again, will see Fant really operate as, if not the number one receiving option in that offense, uh, one of the top receiving options in the offense. So uh, with you there, 100%. Sean, who do you like? So I love Hayden Hurst this week at 4,100. Uh, you know, Calvin Ridley is like that this week. So pour one out for my 91. 
90 to one bet that he'll lead the league in receiving yards. I think that bet is toast, um, but it, you know, it gave some satisfaction for the first few weeks here. Um, but you know, this could lead to defenses double teaming Julio and opening things up for these periphery receivers. I mean, good luck trying to invest in guys like Russell Gage, Christian Blake, Zacchaeus, Brandon Powell. You can figure that one out. I'm going to go with Hayden Hurst. I think he's going to see more targets this week. And just given how the tight end position has just been decimated, um, I think that gives him you know, a pretty high floor and ceiling combo this week. So I love him at 4,100 uh, in DFS. Daigle, who are you low on? I knew one of them would fall out eventually. And what has happened with the Titans, who can clearly only support two receivers, is that the bottom has fallen out on Jonu Smith in this span. Um, Four catches the past three weeks, eight targets in that span. And Corey Davis, of course, has only been back healthy now from COVID list two weeks. And he's seen 10 targets in both the games the past two weeks. And so I think Jonu Smith is the loser here. It was what I was always concerned about. But what has happened instead is that they're jamming A.J. Brown targets. So while it's good for A.J. Brown, who I thought would be dealing with this from four to six targets per game, like last year when he was playing with Ryan Tannehill, that has clearly become Jonu Smith, who also is still running just barely more routes than Anthony Ferkser on Tannehill's dropbacks. So that's the player I will be fading again this week, even though I had him on FanDuel last week. So maybe I'm just still angry. Raybon, who are you low on? Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham had some life. He was kind of like borderline streamer ranking, you know, in that 10 to 14 range for uh, a lot of the year. But he ran a season low 59% uh, of routes per dropback last week in that uh, Chicago Saints game. And that was a revenge game for him. So that was even, you know, that was kind of troubling. Cole Komet, you have a rookie behind him who is playing better. And I think they're going to continue to give him more snaps. And that's something that, uh, you know, we've talked about on this pod a bunch, but these rookies this time of the year, you know, it's like, all right, they've had a, they've had a month of what you would normally have for preseason. Like you're going to start to see rookie snap counts, routes per drop back, you know, market shares, all those kind of things uh, kind of progressively increase. Um, so Graham is a guy that I would just be, you know, all hands off, um, you know, from here on out basically. And uh, another guy is Trey Burton. Uh, he only ran a, a route on 42% of the dropbacks last week with Mo Alley Cox back. They're in this like three-way timeshare now. And even though Burton's been getting some carries and scoring some fantasy points, if he continues to play uh, at this current usage clip, uh, that's going to regress to the mean sooner than later. Sean, uh, what do you know. think? What do you think, think about Jimmy Graham? Just, we could just skip the segment because, you know, I had Jimmy Graham written up oh. for <laughs> literally everything that Raybon mentioned. Bad. You know, I thought, you know, they'll use him pretty heavily in the first half of the season, which they did. He exceeded expectations. Cole Komet would take over a little bit more of the work in the second half. And that appears to be what the direction is going. I was going to mention the you know, routes run for drop back. And then I thought, you know, I'll just, I'll mention Trey Burton. Nope. Raybon took that. So just let's go, let's go to the prop or uh, Freeman. You can talk about who you're low on. <laughs> that was great. Raybon. Fantastic job there. Uh, I am relatively low on Jared cook uh, under the assumption that we see Emmanuel Sanders come back and potentially Michael Thomas. But even if we don't, I think uh, Emmanuel Sanders returning will be enough to uh, diminish the targets that we see going to Jared Cook, who really hasn't been getting all that many targets this season anyway. So uh, I think it's pretty easy to be low on Jared Cook this week. Sean, give us the prop. Let's go with Mark Andrews um, at Indy. 
Uh, his receiving yard prop is always interesting because he really doesn't put up much yardage to speak of. Will that change this week? That's the question. Um, I have his over-under at 43 and a half yards. I will take the over, but I am at 46. So it's not like <laughs> a drastic increase. Yeah, I guess the real question is, so he's going to go for three catches for 46 yards. Will he score zero touchdowns or two? That's really the, uh, that's, that's, the question. Yeah, that's the real right. problem. Here. <laughs> yeah, I have him at 48, so I'll go over. Oh, He's yeah. in a tough matchup. I mean, Indy's been playing well against tight ends, but it's, like Mark Andrews, it's, it's he's kind of matchup independent because he's really more of a wide receiver playing tight end, and uh, he is pretty explosive. And it, like you can never really – you never really want to count him out. Like any, every time he has a quiet game or two, like I think Brown and Andrews, even though it's – it's like a tough matchup. Don't sleep on those guys because, um, you know, Mar- Marquise Brown with that soldiers Instagram post or whatever. Why, mm-hmm. why have these uh, soldiers if you ain't going to use them? Like, I think that's all him and, and Mark Andrews who just get heavy targets this game after you had like Willie Sneed and Duvernay and <laughs> Boykin caught a touchdown. I mean, this is the perfect blow up spot in a, in a tough matchup where you get low ownership in DFS for, for Brown and Andrews. So going over, I have it at, at 48. Uh, I am also taking the over. Uh, I have it around 52. So, uh, Sean. Good luck with, good luck with that, guys. Yeah, I'll, take, I'll take the under. <laughs> but I think that the takeaway this week with Kittle out, I mean, is, if Travis Kelsey just stays healthy the rest of the year, he's a league-winning pick. It's becoming pretty clear just because he's so much uh, above and beyond all these guys. And, you know, Mark Andrews, unfortunately, hasn't stepped up. So I just think the takeaway this week for me is Kelsey is a league winner. All right. Daigle? Awesome having you on the show. Uh, why don't you tell us all the content that people should check out at Roto World? You can head there upon listening to this because my waiver wire column is up every Tuesday morning, afternoon, pending how many injuries there are, which this season has been a ton. And yeah. check that out. And check that out. Uh, please rate, review, and subscribe the Roto World Football pro- Podcast, which are friends with the Action Network Podcast. And then, of course, uh, we also do a Sunday morning start-sit show an hour before kickoff. And you can also send those to at Daigle. I may not answer them until Sunday morning because who asked start-sits on a Tuesday? But I will get around to them. Don't worry. Uh, Daigle, believe you me, people somehow ask start-sit questions on Tuesdays. Uh, well, you're the start-sit connoisseur. so yeah, they, they expect those questions to be answered, even on a Tuesday. Uh, so I give answers. They might not be good answers. In fact, they're probably <laughs> not. Uh, even if I answer them on a Friday, they're not going to be good answers. But, uh, you know, they, they expect those, uh, those questions to be answered. All right, everyone, be sure to follow John on Twitter at NotJDaigle. Such a, such a great Twitter name, by the way. At, at John Daigle is taken, so I just said screw the rules. Yes, I uh, maybe I should have gone with not M. Friedman because uh, all of the different variations of Friedman, Matthew, all that, they were all taken. Anyway, follow John on Twitter at not Daigle. You can follow Sean, Chris, and me in the Action Network app at the underscore oddsmaker, Chris Raybon, and Matt F. The Oracle. Use the app to get real-time odds and track your bets for free. Please subscribe to and rate and review the show and listen and download on Spotify. See you again next episode. We're finished talking.